Hello, and welcome back to the Hairstylist Rising podcast. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about a topic that affects us all in the salon industry, and that is psychological safety within the workplace. So particularly if you are someone that is a salon owner with a team, or you work in a team environment, or you facilitate education, anything to do with other people, This is a really important topic to dive into, and my guest, Stephanie Russell, has a wealth of knowledge and experience in transforming salon cultures to be more nurturing and empowering for the people that work within them. So make sure that you stay tuned because this episode has some really, really valuable insights that can really help elevate the way that you interact with other people and your compassion within the salon industry. We're touching on topics such as compassion fatigue and understanding the drive for change in the salon industry. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode. You're listening to the Hairstylist Rising podcast. Here we talk about creating a career you love. We go deep into mindset, marketing, business, and life as a hairstylist. I'm your host, Jody Brown, a hairstylist veteran turned branding and marketing mentor for ambitious, inspired beauty pros like you. On this podcast, we share the real stories of leaders within the beauty industry and actionable trainings that leave you with the tools and guidance that will inspire you to build your best life as a hairstylist. From branding, business, and marketing to mindset, life, and finding fulfillment, no topic is off limits here. Get ready to be educated and inspired. This is the Hairstylist Rising Podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Hairstylist Rising Podcast. I'm excited to dive right into today's conversation with my guest, Stephanie Russell. Thank you for being here. Tell us a little bit about your journey in the beauty industry and how you got to what you're doing now. Jody, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here today. My journey is basically, yeah, hairstylist turned psychological safety facilitator slash leader. It's a mouthful, (laughs) but It is something that I'm super passionate about. And the journey is I've been in the industry for nearly 20 years. And I have worked with salons in many capacities because I still work with Redken. And Mm -hmm. I've been facilitating for them internationally for 15 plus years. And being in so many different salons, I, I had this thought years ago that it was only me, that it was... The culture of the salon I was working in, although it was one of the best experiences in my life, there was quite a bit of toxicity. And Mm -hmm. I thought it was me, Jody. And then Mm -hmm. I looked around and I've been in a lot of different salons and I haven't met one salon owner that didn't have a beautiful heart. And yet, one of my favorite sayings is, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And because of some of the habits that we have as human beings and the patterns that we have, a lot of toxicity happens in salon cultures. And so I was seeing themes as I was going along. So during the pandemic, I decided to help salon leaders and a little backtracking here, but I worked in salons for many years. I'm a suite renter now, but I'm, I, only became a suite renter because that was the only option left for me if I didn't want to open my own salon. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, I started in a suite. But I would be in a salon right now if there was the right fit for me. If right. the salon held the same values that I hold. 
And because of that, I decided, you know what, I want to help my salon owner friends because I have many of them mm-hmm. to make a culture that they wanted to have when they first started out. Because everybody I know, they start off with opening a salon thinking, I want to do this differently. I haven't mm-hmm. met one owner who hasn't had that thought that the reason why they wanted to open is because they wanted to do it differently. They wanted to have yeah. a different culture than was already out there. And what ends up happening is that their hands get tied when they start behind the chair. So many of them, I'm speaking globally here now, but Mm -hmm. for a lot of them, their hands get tied, they get busy, they're doing the work behind the chair, plus trying to manage a business and they're burnt out and then compassion Mm -hmm. fatigue happens and so on. And so when I was looking for how can I help these salon owners, I had originally started, I did my coaching certifications while we were on lockdown. I finally finished them after years of starting them. <laughs> and I started with programs and then I came upon psychological safety. And when I did, Jody, it was like light bulb moment. I fell in love. I'm so passionate about this subject. It covers everything. It's like all of the values that I hold it wrapped up in one. And right. it is, I believe, the way we're going to move forward in a society that needs to have healing from burnout and compassion fatigue from all of the toxicity that's in our environment. And I'm not just talking about salon, I'm talking about globally. And so that's how I came upon it in a, I guess, long story, long made short story. I'm really excited to dive into this topic because I think you're right. I think it's so necessary. So can we just break down what is psychological safety and how does this apply to the hairstylist and salon owner? Okay. It's very simple. Psychological safety in a nutshell is the reduction of fear and mental harm and the promotion of well-being in a team or in a relationship. So that's it in a nutshell. How it works in salons is there are 13 aspects of psychological safety when you look at it through the pure lens that you would find, say, on Canadian Mental Health Association or on Canada, this goes globally, but Canada actually is a really great resource for psychological safety. We are one of the first countries to actually have it accessible via our government website for employers. And we are one of the leading countries of psychological safety. But Mm -hmm. most times it's for like top Fortune 500 companies not so much in salons and in small businesses. That's because it's not as accessible for salons and small businesses in terms of you can go on the website and you get all the information, but to actually Mm -hmm. practice it, put systems in place, it costs a lot of money for companies to do. And so I wanted to break through how can we do it for salons and how it works in salons is basically what we do is we go through the 13 aspects, but not like they are seen on the all of the information that you get because to be honest with you Jody I found it very when I first looked into it I found Mm -hmm. it very you must do this it's very clinical very corporate very corporate so corporate and it's for corporate people it's funny because I actually as well work with somebody who teaches mental health first aid and the reason why I incorporated or I highly recommend people getting their mental health first aid in our industry is because for me, it was such a big eye-opener on how do I have conversations about mental health behind the chair? 
And she, mental health first aid, when you take it, she's used to teaching corporate people. So when we got together and we created it, we were the first in Canada to bring it to hairstylists. We run it about twice a year. We started this year. We will run it twice a year. And she just found that coming up with the scenarios for salons and speaking to stylists, she's, wow, this is so different than corporate people. And so together, I've helped her with scenarios and she's done pretty good on her own. But we've talked about what are the concerns about hairstylists. And so how I do it differently with psychological safety in salons is I've worked with the industry for 20 years. So I know what happens in salons and right. what I know different about salons than corporate, because I've also worked with a corporate company for years, is that we have so much more emotion. We touch right. people for a living. And so that emotional aspect, Jody, that's the piece that is missing from the corporate version of psychological safety. They don't go deep enough into how do we work with emotions and nervous systems and really getting to the core of why do we behave differently in different scenarios? And it all comes down to where our emotional base is at that moment. Like, where are we sitting emotionally within ourselves? How safe do we feel? And so what I've done is I've really brought it down to the micro level. And I think it's super valuable from the salon basis because we work so closely with people one-on-one and with so many. This is the thing, right? It's not just our own lives and events and all of these things that we're dealing with emotionally. It's also like when you're a stylist, you form relationships and often quite deep relationships with your clients, right? Because think about all of the people, if you're listening right now, who you're the first person that they told they were pregnant or they were leaving their husband or they had to quit their jobs or like you're really let in after you are in this business for a while to huge monumental things in your client's life. And that is taking on a lot of energy. It's taking on a lot of emotion from other people. So that completely makes sense to me. Exactly. And it's funny you say energy, funny, but not funny, because I do believe that's exactly what it is. So in my search for how can I do this differently, I also became a master Reiki level practitioner. And the reason why is because I wanted to understand the energetics of it too. I didn't want it to just be brained. I wanted it to be left brain and right brain. So how do we make this a holistic approach to psychological Mm -hmm. safety? Because energy work or the energy that we expend when we're with the guest Mm-hmm. is it can be quite a reduction in energy. I'm trying to look for the right word here, but yeah. I think people will mean it can be, you can spend a lot of energy in it. So you bring up a really good point when you say that. Yeah, that's very true, actually. And I, I know like sometimes even you've got different, because we do work with so many different people, it's like sometimes you have clients who afterwards you feel like lit up and it fills your cup. And then sometimes You have clients where it's not that they're a bad person or anything like that, but it it can drain and and take it out of you. So I think that having things like this brought to the forefront, I'm really happy to see. And I think this is one of my favorite things to come out of the last five years, I would say, in our industry is that we are having these conversations now. We're talking about the effects. We're talking about what it is that we deal with on a day-to-day basis because I think from an outside perspective, sometimes it can be like, oh, you just go and actually I'm going to give an example for my own life. So my mom and I are both hairstylists. When I was around 18, 19, I moved out when I was 19. So just before that, me and my mom would come home from work and we'd just be like strained. And my dad was like, 
very, my mom's been a stylist and salon owner, all the things for decades. And so my dad understands to an extent, but he's, I always just think it's so funny because you guys are going to work and yes, you're standing all day, but he was working as an iron worker at the time, which is like a very physically demanding and draining job. And we always thought it was funny because we would almost feel like more spent at the end of the day. And so I think sometimes from an outside perspective, people feel like, oh, like you just go and play with hair all day and it's it's fun. But there's now a lot more recognition of what actually goes into this job. Jody, you bring up such a good point. And I've been doing my best to think about all the scenarios and the whys. Why do we feel that way? And it's funny because I think anybody listening, including yourself, if you've been in the industry or you've had a job like this, because I also work with massage therapists, anybody who touches people. Right. Basically. Very similar. Yeah, if they're in close contact with their job. And the thing is that we could have a day where we walk in and every guest is somebody who uplifts, uplifts us. We enjoy <laughs> the conversation. We, we don't feel like we're caretaking. And caretaking. Mm-hmm is the word in which I think makes the difference between whether or not we feel like we're spent at the end of the day. Because if we feel like somebody is quote unquote draining, and I love, love, love that you said it doesn't make them a bad person because Mm -hmm. I'm a big believer of everybody, unless you're a psychopath, which is less than 1% of the population, everybody (laughs) has a beautiful heart. We just have bad habits or we've had things that are stifling our light. They're mm. creating, they're not allowing us, or we don't see the light in order to be the best version of ourselves, blah, 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 whatever you want to see there, but our most lit up version, right? Mm-hmm. And for buried under stuff, it's really hard to feel lit up. And so yeah. there are those guests that we have. And I really do feel like some guests we feel like we need to take care of, and other guests feel like instead more like our friends. And so when that relationship happens, if we have a day full of people we're feeling like we're taking care of and Mm -hmm. compassion fatigue, Jody, came from the health world, like from doctors, nurses, and it is talking about secondary trauma. That's its other name, secondary trauma. And what it is, it's sharing in the trauma of others. Now, when we say trauma, Mm. I don't mean like big capital T trauma always. It may be that. Like you mentioned, we often hear those big things from people who sometimes we're the first people to hear that from someone. Mm-hmm. But it can just be, honestly, that uh, maybe somebody is complaining because their day is off, rightfully so. Whether it's justified or not, it doesn't matter. But right. that's irrelevant. The fact that we hear it and then we're hearing it, maybe we have 20 clients that day, especially people who are, say, barbers. And then imagine that if every haircut they were just feeling low, they were complaining, or they shared trauma with you. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, no wonder you're spent. It's so interesting that you say that because I've always said as I'm thinking back, I haven't been behind the chair now for three and a half years, but I'm thinking back and I always used to say how much more exhausting all haircut days were. Like back in, I I stopped doing just haircuts in the last few years of my career for that exact reason. But now that you say that, that makes so much sense as to why when you've got more clients, you're taking on more energy, more caretaking. I love that term potentially. And so that makes a lot of sense. I love that. So I think that 
for someone listening right now, they're probably like, yes, like nodding their heads, relating to a lot of this. And I would love to talk about what are some of the things that we can do to combat that mental drain and that caretaking vibe and all of those things that we just talked about in a real life salon situation. Let's start with maybe what the stylist can do. Okay, I love that. So there are, I have quite a few. The one that comes top of mind here is to, when you're looking at your schedule, I really love intention. Be very intentional about your schedule if you have that quote unquote control of it. And Mm -hmm. if you have a day in which, for instance, you know that you have a lot of new clients because that requires a lot of caretaking. A little background information here is our brain is the number one muscle that uses the most it uses the most energy in our body. And so if you are requiring your brain to think on the spot, to think up new ideas, and you're doing that all day long, that's actually not sustainable. And so what is ideal and what I think people find is after our la- after we've been in the industry for a few years, it actually becomes easier. That's because we're not as spent at the end of the day because we know our clientele. And although right. we can change things up, we're not necessarily having to work overtime with our brain. Do they like this? Do they want that? Should I offer this? I should do this. We can go almost an autopilot and our brain actually has to go on autopilot certain amounts during the day or it will try. And if not, it'll alert you by starting to feel frustration and irritation. And so that's why. Interesting. Yeah. So when you're on your feet all day long in terms of I don't mean on your feet, on your feet as in your brain having to be active. Mm -hmm. (laughs) because it's two different things because we are actually on our feet all day. (laughs) When our brain is having to be super, super active, then it can't shut off. And so we are going to go into burnout and compassion fatigue much quicker. So when I say this, if you can intentionally take control of your schedule and say, okay, I'm going to slot in, let's just say from one to three on Fridays is when I'm going to take new clients. And that way you can know that Fridays are the day that I'm going to have open for new clients, which I highly suggest that anyway. That's from a business building point of view, even though I'm not into technically building business. I just, of course, being a hairstylist for 20 years, I know that works. Having a day a week that you actually just have four new clients helps you to keep your clientele um, level so that you're not Mm -hmm. because you lose so many. But on top of that, You're not overly having to continually think of new ideas. So your brain is not working overtime. And that's what I think people recognize in our industry is how much we actually use our brains. I think sometimes our industry or over the years has been seen as something that anybody can do that. Anybody can do hairstyling. However, we use so much of our brain all the time and it's in all different aspects. So not only are we formulating, if you're a colorist, not only are you formulating color, if you're a hairstylist, not only are you thinking of the geometry of the hair um, and what it's going to do and the products, all of that, but you're also thinking of all at the same time, you are thinking Mm -hmm. of how am I relationally with this guest? And so that is so much power for the brain. I've never thought of it quite in that way. And now that I'm like listening and hearing you explain this, it's bringing me to something that I've really noticed in myself since starting this completely new business three and a half years ago, the decision fatigue. So 
I yes. didn't recognize it behind the chair. I recognize it once I started getting into more of the, like the online business world because it's talked about a lot more. But that is something that absolutely applies to hairstylists too. And I have noticed that whenever I'm in a phase where I'm doing a lot of new things, like I have to like number one, meal prep, pre-decide dinners, pre-decide if I have to leave the house, like what I'm going to wear that week and do all of those things first. Because once you get into doing something new or a big project or a big designing a new course, whatever, like I, my capacity for even just like minute decisions <laughs> really diminishes. And as you were saying that, I'm like, ooh, I wonder if maybe those kinds of things could help the stylist behind the chair to set themselves up for success. That's exactly where I was going next. Beautiful. You took the words right out of my mouth in terms of actually you didn't. You put a, a new verbiage to exactly what I'm talking about. And it is the decision fatigue. That is mm -hmm. exactly what it is. So that's a piece. That's, a, that's one piece of what causes us to eventually have burnout because decision right. fatigue leads to burnout. And we just don't, again, but combine decision fatigue with compassion fatigue. Like I've actually, right. you're just having, helping me to have a light bulb moment in this because that's exactly what I'm seeing. And mm -hmm. so the self-care aspect, like you said, making sure that you set yourself up. So being very intentional about all of the things that you need to do to keep your energy going throughout the day. Like you said, meal prepping. That's something so many hairstylists don't do. Some do. Right. I feel like more are doing it now. I also feel like self-care has become such a, a cliche word now that yeah. people are almost rolling their eyes at it, although right. it is the number one determining factor on whether or not somebody has great mental health or right. low mental health. I'll just share again, like from my personal experience, I'm not a professional, but I'll just share that one of the biggest things I've struggled with anxiety, mental health, like all of these things. And the biggest game changer for me, and I'm interested to get your take on this, was when I started down that road of personal development and I realized my own accountability in situations. That was probably the biggest game changer for me because even when you were talking about like salon owners and how they start with the best intentions, like I've been at a couple salons during that startup phase and you're so right. They do often start with the intention of creating something different and not repeating the things that they experienced that they didn't they weren't happy with and then inevitably a couple years later all of these things start to creep in and what i realized is i recognize it now in others and i recognize it in myself is it's the blame game and not being willing to take that personal accountability and responsibility so when we're talking about blaming people here's what happens mm -hmm. is that i'm a big i'm a big fan of empowerment and when we think about ourselves as a, a battery that needs to be recharged, when we are empowered, then we know what it takes to charge us back up. But if we are playing the blame game, if we're playing victimhood in any aspect of our lives, then what we're doing mm -hmm. is we are waiting for the world to recharge us. And we are right. also allowing the world to drain us in both aspects yeah. because we're giving our power away. And mm -hmm. so... I absolutely think that accountability is one of the number one determining factors. And this is just an opinion, although I'm sure it's supported. I feel like it's supported. One mm -hmm. of the determining factors of how, again, how strong you are mentally. And when I say strong mm -hmm. mentally, I don't mean as in somebody who has mental health issues are weak. 
I mean that because it's not, it, it has nothing to do with weakness or strength, but more so the fact how mentally healthy you are. And right. so it, it, we need to see what's in our control, what's not in our control. And what's in our control is our actions, our behaviors, our thoughts, and how we react to things. And knowing that and bringing it back to what you were saying, the moment that we take control of ourselves and how we react to things, the more empowered we become and the more resilient we become. One of the things that I share is resiliency. That's one of the big pieces of psychological safety and psychologically safe service, the program, is how Mm -hmm. do we make each individual on a team, including the leader, resilient, because that's something that's been lacking in our society. Oh, my goodness. Yes. And this is so important. And actually, as a parent, so one of the things that like I always like I'm always researching and trying to figure out, because once you do get into that self-development world, you're like, okay, and I'm sure all the parents can relate who've been on their own personal development journey. Like, how can we help our kids like to not have to maybe bounce back? And I think it's it's one of those things where I don't know the answer, but in research, it shows that like resiliency is one of the top indicators of happiness and living a fulfilled life as an adult. And that's one of the main skills that we should be helping our kids to develop. So that makes so much sense that in team culture or even in any sort of business culture, like that is the number one thing or one of the most important things in terms of building a thriving culture in your salon. Exactly. And I think it's really a topic of conversation, like you said, in the parenting world. That's where I've seen it a lot because... I have a, I, ha, I don't have any children, but I respect parents so much because I know and I, I see this from so many of my friends, how much work and how much devotion it takes to become a parent. And it's one of those things where you, there's always this concern of, is my child going to be okay? But right, you're, yeah. And eventually your child's going to become an adult and mm-hmm. they're going to be in charge of their own future. And we, all of us listening to this right now, We can spend our whole lifetime blaming our parents. And Lord knows Mm -hmm. I've done enough of that. (laughs) My parents are beautiful people. But like anybody in my personal development journey, I spent some time thinking, you did this to me. It was because. And and I either it was from the way they raised me or my genetics from them, which poor souls, like they have nothing to do with it. They can't help what they give. But (laughs) when we say all this is that whoever's listening now, it's if you are an adult, then at this point now, whatever has happened to you in your past, is not your fault. It's not right. your fault, but it is your responsibility. And right. so no matter what, and it's your responsibility more so because the footprint that you want to leave in this world, and this is one thing that I, I constantly keep in my own mind, is what's the footprint I want to leave in this world? And the footprint mm-hmm. I want to leave in this world, Jody, is love. It essentially is love. I want people to love themselves. I want to make sure people know that they're loved. I want people yeah. to feel empowered, loved, and and confident. And all those, to me, all circle back yeah. to the same thing. And so if that also is something that, that somebody listening resonates with, then the next step is how much responsibility are you willing to take for your life? And that is essentially, again, what I'm doing in the program is helping people to wake up to their responsibility. Because so much of psychological safety from the corporate aspect actually talks about more so 
It's for leaders and how do leaders create a great team. But that to me is putting a lot of responsibility on one person. Yes, the leader right. has to be held responsible for upholding the culture and being right. a great example. But you cannot do that alone. You right. have to have people who are rowing in the same direction. And so that's why I, when I go into salons specifically, my whole role going into salons is to create the same page for everybody. So making sure that everybody's on the same page. We know what behavior, specific behaviors are psychologically safe or unsafe. And we can then work to hold all of each other, all of us at once accountable, including holding ourselves accountable to that behavior that is safe. That's so beautiful. Something I talk about a lot with my circle of friends and with my community of stylists and all of the things is that concept of the people that you surround yourself with are going to be the biggest indicator of your future. Yes. I feel like people talk about this from a career perspective and all of these different perspectives, but it, it makes so much sense in terms of the mental health perspective as well, because you're right. And I think there is a ripple effect. And this is like I shared with Stephanie before we hit record that one of the things that I absolutely loved that you share on your website is that when you do start that journey of improving your own mental health and, and facilitating the psychological safety and all the things, it's not just you that you're affecting. It is a ripple effect. And I think we can see this immediately. I even see it's so great, like in my husband and my son, since I've started taking more accountability in this past I'd say five or six years is how long I've been really into this personal development journey. And I see the ripple effect. I see the ripple effect in the people that I've worked with. And I see other people's journey having a ripple effect on me. And so it's really beautiful to see how much we can impact not just ourselves, but also the people that we love the most and care about in our own personal lives. It's important as well. But in our work lives, think about if you're facilitating this culture within your salon, if you're a leader, that ripple effect it's going to have on your team and then your team's families and your team's friends. Like that is truly the definition of making the world a better place. It really is. It really is. And the beauty of it is, to your point, Jody, and I think you bring up such a beautiful concept, is that. You don't necessarily need two people to change a relationship, mm -mm. whether at work, whether it's at home. You only need you to change the relationship. Now, how that relationship changes, that's yet to be determined. But right. every one of us individuals has the power to change any relationship the moment we decide to change. I'm just so lit up by this conversation. And I think that what you're doing is really crucial in not just our industry, but in our world. So I thank you for doing the work you're doing because it takes a lot of guts to step out of the norm. And that's one of the things that I love to highlight on this podcast as well is that your career as a stylist, number one, you could have the best career in the world as a behind the chair stylist. It is an amazing industry. Number two, a lot of the skills that you develop along the way, so just the experiences that you have can be a springboard into something completely different. And this industry is really amazing for that. So I love that you were led into this direction and you took the ball and ran with it. Yeah, thank you for that. I totally agree with you, Jody. I feel like 
the skills are so transferable in many different mm -hmm. areas. And some people can do their whole career behind the chair and are lit up by it. And yeah. other people, it's for a phase of their careers. Mm -hmm. But there's, I, I feel like this career sticks with people. <laughs> I feel like it's, yeah. there's so much heart involved. There's so yeah. many beautiful aspects to this career. And there's so many different ways in which we touch people. We, without, and I don't mean touching people physically, I mean touching their hearts. Yeah. And so even when this career, when we leave this career, I don't believe this career leaves us. And this is why at first when I started, I actually, when I started coaching, which is where I began moving from behind the chair, I still work two days a week, but I saw my future more coaching. And then I realized, no, I don't, I want to work in this industry. And I want to help this industry to evolve, to be able to touch more people's hearts more deeply. And I don't mean as psychologists, I don't mean any of that by setting the example of what it is to show people true care, true love, and to show people how beautiful they are inside and out. And I believe that every one of us in this industry does that and can do it on even higher levels than they are right now when they become empowered and then they show what it is to be an empowered empowered individual. And that's what I mean when I say the I, I, one of my quotes on the website and one of the things that I the intentions I have is the ripple begins with you. And so yeah. I believe the ripple begins with me. I believe the ripple begins with you. I believe that the, mm -hmm. the ripple that we have, like you said, can go beyond the person that's with us when we touch them in a way that they feel yeah. touched. So yes, yeah. after this conversation, I'm sure that my listeners want to find out more about you and what you're up to. And so where can they go to find you? The main place is Instagram. So there you'll find me at psychologically safe Steph. And I also have a website, as you mentioned before, and that's wavesociety.ca. So W-A-V-E society.ca. I'm also on TikTok, but my main platform is definitely Instagram. And feel free to DM me. Feel free to uh, message me directly from my website. I am awesome. very willing to work with people to see what can we do together so that you can bring more of this into your life. And that's my life's mission. So don't let time or price be a, a problem. Message me and we can work through anything. Anything is possible, my friends. I love that. Thank you again for your time, for sharing so openly, and for taking an initiative to create such an important change in our industry. Thank you. I hope many more do the same. And I know that they are. And I, I love what you're doing. Thank you as well, Jody. Thank you so much for listening in to another episode of the Hairstylist Rising podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you like, subscribe, and leave us a review. Be sure to check out our show notes for all of the links mentioned in today's episode. And if you want to get in touch with me and let me know what you're thinking, what you'd like to see on the podcast, or just share your favorite episode, send me a DM over on Instagram, either at Hairstylist Rising or at It's Jody Brown. I am so excited to see you back here, same place, same time next week. And until then, I am Jody Brown. I am your host and I'm signing off now. So thank you so much for listening to this podcast and we'll see you next week.